model, the philosophy which old one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned everywhere is war it's a war that until they're no longer first class and second class citizens of any nation until the color of a man's skin is of no more significance than the color of his eyes miss a war that until the basic human rights are equally guaranteed to all without regard to race and it's a war yo 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 we are back we are back with five boxes. We got five on it. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And I almost said we're back with a guest. Not a guest anymore. Alana has inveigled her way into into a box on the screen. So I think that's just hers to stay now, I guess. How are you, Alana? I'm good. I'm good. It's really good, actually, to be back chatting with you guys missed you i feel like i missed out on a few episodes there but <laughs> we won't talk about that <laughs> but i did miss you guys so it is actually it's really good to be back thanks great there were i mean there were hurt feelings after last time you're on i'm not gonna say who but it's all good it's smoothed over now nay wagwan yeah good man just uh navigating 2020 man that's yeah that's as, as simple as, as my days are now just getting through it this is it mate you do well i felt at times this year like this year's just hit me i felt like that time in the finals when you're steph curry and you're you're asking for a switch off fred van vliet (laughs) and you you never you never thought life was going to happen like that you never thought that was going to happen to you it's one of the greatest players of all time but sometimes life just hits you angelo you good yeah just tired very very tired like it's amazing how racism makes you tired um but we'll we'll get into it and chop it all up but yeah i'm healthy man i got my exercise bike and you know just it's been great because you just sometimes you just need to cycle 100 percent. i mean you're, you're tired from chasing that black boris bike and it's within reach now so <laughs> <laughs> this guy's gone clear he's gone clear and finally the big man, how's it going? You're a dog. Yes, yes. I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I'm on my. Um, I'm waiting for Dave Beresford to get on the phone at the moment, man. Been going hard on this cycling thing. Hard <laughs> on it. <laughs> PBs every single day, man. It's, oh, it's, it's delightful. I get exactly what you're talking about, Nate. You should oh, see me yeah, in my bib. You should see me <laughs> in my bib. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Actually, yes. I love to see like it. Me, in your lycra. <laughs> oh, it's delightful. The ta- for me it's the tan. I mean, you can see it on the, probably see it on the video. Like the, yep. the two tone is ridiculous. I'm, I'm because... looking. I'm going to say I'm quite looking forward to when we release back into the wild, and we're going to have to do like black guys do three peaks. <laughs> I think that's definitely going to be in the works. Definitely on that. Definitely our, on that. Our first live show from North Yorkshire. 
an audience of three men and three dogs, all racist. Been, been four black guys seen in Thursk. <laughs> right, we're going to get into it, guys. Um, it's good to be back. We kind of weren't planning on doing anything this quickly, and then the last ten days just happened. So Dom pushed on the agenda, and I think we all felt that it was the right time to come back together. And, I mean, <laughs> America's aflame again. The uh, killing of George Floyd, followed by killing of Breonna Taylor, and many of the killings. And in the UK, the killing of Belly Majinga um, has inflamed racial tensions. And there's been protests here, there, and everywhere differing severity um what are sort of the general thoughts on that we start with you Dom I think first and foremost just to echo Jello's point about being tired it's been an exhausting emotionally draining last six seven days to the extent that I think all of us have actually just taken a minute every so every so often because it's it's weird the amount of emotions that are flying through at the moment. So you've got the initial feelings when, and I mean, I personally, as with a few people in this group, chose not to watch the video that circulated around with George Floyd being killed because I've seen too many things like that and I know what it does to me. Um, so you have the initial dread, the initial weariness, the initial just horror that it's happened again and it's happened for the world to see again. And then mixed feelings because I'm starting to have conversations now with people that I never thought I would have conversations with around certain things, speaking candidly on subjects which, I don't know, I've, I've just always suppressed myself from actually going into because, and I think something that you said in the group earlier this week, Dan, really rang true with me. It was, we kind of get ourselves into a position where we suppress things that we say and things that we do to make other people feel comfortable. And I think this has been one of the first times in my life where I feel like I've been able to really just let go of that and start to speak more openly about certain things. And it has been quite overwhelming at times, really, really overwhelming. And there's so many positives to have been brought from an awful, awful situation. Just the sheer number of people that are getting involved doing their little bit, the sheer number of people that are wanting to be educated, trying to make themselves better uh, and understand us better. It's been... It's been a really, a really strange week for me. Yeah, how about you, Alana? <sighs> well, okay, so first of all, being American, it's um, been really tough. Um, and I actually did, so I was keeping up with the headlines, keeping up with the news of what was going on. But it just seemed like the reaction was so strong, and I didn't really understand why it was so different this time. So I I don't know what compelled me to do it, but I I actually watched the George Floyd video maybe two nights ago, and couldn't even finish it. Like I've never, it's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And um, for a long time, I was really struggling with words, with how it was making me feel because it was deeper than pain and deeper than anger. And then I discovered the word today, it's trauma. Like It was really traumatic to watch that. Um, like I closed my eyes and I still like flashes of what I saw are like burned 
on my eyelids and like I go to sleep and the sound of his voice is like in my head it's just horrendous so um yeah I I think just the there's something different about that video and I think it is so traumatic not just for people of color to see I mean of course it's going to be traumatic for us to see but um my friends my white friends who have watched it uh I think it was traumatizing for them too and so now that I have seen it, it it's not a surprise to me that the protests have started um and I don't know I'm exhausted too I still have a lot of emotions and in this weird way I do feel um more hopeful in this instance than I have in the past just because of the genuine outreach and desire to help that I've seen from um from white people specifically um it is it does feel it does feel different to me this time um and I'm also happy because sometimes what can happen is when you feel overwhelmed or at least personally when I feel overwhelmed and exhausted the first thing I want to do is actually just like uh close it out with something happy or try to try to try to avoid or remove the feeling of pain from myself. And this time it's like, I'm really just letting myself sit in it and I'm letting it fuel me yeah. into action. Yeah. What about you, uh, Angelo? Um, as I, like, I've, I've been tired. Um, and the thing that I, I felt so many things and obviously like put some of it onto, um, Instagram I put out like a long and I never normally kind of put posts up on Instagram I just normally kind of put things in the stories but I had so much to say but I think the biggest thing that I felt is that I'm more and this is going to sound really weird I'm more hopeful for America than I am for Britain and and the reason that I say that is because there is worldwide condemnation um, even, you know, when Fox News and, like, The Intercept are agreeing, um, you know that, kind of, we're in a moment when all 50 states are protesting, you know that there's a moment, you, when, kind of, every, kind of, big city in Britain has had a protest against it, you know that we're in a moment. And so that, and, you know, the whole blackout thing, even though I, kind of, have mixed feelings about that, um, the fact that, kind of, you know, I could scroll through Instagram and just see blackout, blackout, blackout. There was something quite powerful about that, but I feel that where my kind of where I kind of just have less hope for Britain is that people are still asking, "Is it that bad here?" And it's like mm. systemically, yes, it's that bad here. We might get into that a bit later, but you know, and well, I, I'm definitely going to talk about this later. We have a case where um, a person has spat at a woman called Belly Majinga, saying that they have COVID she's caught covid and died from it and there's no prosecution um there's somebody then that spits at a police officer saying it that they have covid and they've gone to prison for a year um you've got um a case um with a man named desmond ziggy mombia ara i apologize for kind of butchering the name who is tasered by the manchester police force um in front of his young son and then the Manchester police force are putting out a statement of saying black lives matter. And it feels like in this country, we're just at a place where it's like, and we, we always do this thing. And I've said it on this platform so many times that 
Britain loves to do this thing of going, do you know what? At least we're not America. And it's like, in this case, I need us to be America. I need us to, I need us to be furious at the treatment of Belly Majinga. I need us to be furious that the police would taser a man in front of his son. And I'm very tired. I'm very, very tired by that. Um, and as to whether I think this is different, um, f- nothing. I don't think anything is ever going to harm my heart more than Tamir Rice. Um, that that ha- will and 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 I think maybe because I haven't watched any of the videos this time round, but when I saw that police car just pull up and murder that twelve-year-old boy in one point five seconds, and nothing changed. Um, and so whilst a lot of people are kind of like this is the touchstone and it's going to make things change i hope they're right but i kind of don't have that hope sadly that so that's where i'm at well just i'll say quickly before passing on to nay um protests haven't ever (laughs) solved anything they've not moved anything on in 50 odd years like so my thoughts on the protests are fine. How many p- millions were on the streets on the anti-war protest? You can have and and nothing nothing changed. I mean, it's so. For me, the I sort of divide it in in in, in two ways. Like I, I agree with Angelo in a way. It's better that the U.S. is it's you've seen a real sort of collective visceral condemnation of the U.S. Um, what I will say is about in the US is it doesn't really matter because you've got two classes. You've got the people in charge who can't afford to acknowledge as a problem because if they do acknowledge as a problem, there's only one person to blame. So that I can only ever see in any things in the US ending in a civil war. Personally, that's I can't see how it changes in any other way. Whereas in the UK, there is again it's it's a collective burying in the in the head collective burying of heads in the sand and again like later on we'll talk about the suppressed covid report um but the difference for me is uh is these conversations we're having and people are saying yeah is is it that bad here and yes it is you're almost (laughs) feeling sort of incredulous aren't you when you're having to say well i mean it is, but Do you think no I was one, lying this whole time? One hundred percent. But no one ever asked me that, and 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 you, it's something. It's the same every time. Like voices crackle, like with kind of fear almost when they ask you because it's like I don't really want to know the answer to this, mm. but people are hearing it now. I mean, they've been being told for a while, but people are hearing it this time. I feel so. That's the situation. As I feel, Damn, it. I mean, just, sorry. Just before you pass on to Nate, um, and I don't know if there'll be time to talk about this later. I, I don't agree with you that protest doesn't change anything because I do believe that actually that it's it's a mixture of things at work. So there's been a lot of protests in LA uh, recently, and they've taken something like 150 million dollars out of the police budget to fund community projects, which has come as a result of that direct action i think without the protesting i don't think that the police officers certainly the other three police officers would have been charged um 
I think that you know you can't we can't be just kind of we'll get them at the ballot box because as I'll talk about well, later when you see the uh, I I, I agree. Chiefs, sorry, um, sorry, that's fair. yeah, yeah. With the with the police chiefs, they've kind of they've been voted in, and they're like, no, there's no problem. We're going to work seriously hard to get these police officers free. That's what's been voted for. I think that direct action definitely has a role to play, um, mm. but it then has to be an, a multi-layered approach. I, yeah, that's fair. I should have clarified in isolation. Um, and in a way, you, you look at it and say, protest does work. How many millions of people in how many different states, in how many different countries, for them to arrest three police officers for doing something which they had seen that they'd done for the previous three weeks? I saw it um, I saw it on the American news where someone was saying they've arrested the cops the next day uh, the guy's been charged. What more do people want? Well, no, I, th- I believe the story was the cam- the video was handed in, nothing was acted on, and then it became public, and then the guy got fired, and then later he was charged, and then just now it's been upgraded to second-degree murder, and just now the three people have been arrested. So I have not checked the dates, but that must be two to three weeks mm-hmm. of them since they first had the footage and did nothing. So, it's not exactly uh, <laughs> expedited justice. Sorry, there, there you go, Nate. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing, the one of the things that's majorly different for me this time is I've got a lot more time on my hands. So inherently, like that means I'm spending more time on social media, um, more time reading, like new. You know, I'm, I'm I like being aware of what's going on in the world, reading stuff. Um, but I think once again it was that first response of just absolute like doom, just an overwhelming sense of like, like a, a little bit of hopelessness to be honest. Um, when I first kind of seen it all come out once again, and um, it's a real one thing I always try to do anyway, kind of generally in my life with my emotions is is kind of bring a uh, a kind of plurality to them. So you know, be able to 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 look at a situation and feel kind of both sides of it. Um, and I think that's what's been so tiresome this week. Like the, the peaks and the troughs, the peaks, I can't really speak to peaks. Do you know what I mean? The peaks for me are like middle ground. They're like, it's, it seems like common, de- you know, doing the, the right thing is like this major win. And it's like so exhausting as you've kind of explained, you know, 50 states on fire, you know, all this kind of action for the, for the sake of free officers. Like if, if it was a video of me, me and you on the street, Dom, do you know what I mean? Like, it'd be hook, line, sinker, good night. It'd be done. It'd be a write-off. Like, so I think the kind of emotional kind of fatigue has kind of definitely certainly dampened kind of my points of view on on the situation. And once again, I think this is not this is not just something that's new to us. And in the terms of the context of an innocent man losing his life to the police, this represents so much more to us. This represents so much of our lived experience. And it's the it's the most ultra it's the ultimate kind of consequence of you know these things that we've experienced, and you know you come to Britain and people say we're not that bad over here, and I mean we can find countless examples of people that have died in police custody. You know you look at Mark Duggan's shot, and then the way the media treat him was just absolutely abhorrent. Um, so it's crazy because I'm also buoyed because there seems to be a genuine resurgence or a genuine interest in people understanding what they can do i've had questions with people uh conversations with people that 
at times, certainly, like, I was like, well, why are you asking me? But then I also feel like at the time, it's like, no, nah, they, they have the best intentions. Now is not the time to police someone on where and where they shouldn't look for, you know, this kind of thing. They've come to me. This is them. This is them taking their first step. So being really trying to be as patient as I can with people. Um, but also, I think the way I described it is like hopeful yet humble, because I don't think it's very easy to look at the collective outrage of the last week and be buoyed and be positive. You know, there's millions of people, 50 states all across the UK during a global pandemic that is killing people that we're protesting to, you know, kind of to save realistically from the, from this system. Um, so for me, it's just, it's all so massive and it's also intimidating um, it, on like the grand scale of like, you know, looking at the global picture. Um, but it's still quite hope, you know, hopeful in the small picture, um, talking to people, um, seeing people, you know, ask what they can do and, and, and not just ask what they can do, but really seem, you know, it's hard to seem genuine in a post on across social media. Um, but certainly the conversations I've been having with friends uh, uh, are hopefully, you know, going to lead to more because inevitably it's not about us having conversations with our friends. It's about people having conversations with themselves. And I think that's what I'm hoping. That's the best advice I give to people. It's like, you can't, you can't come to me and look for answers. I will point you in the direction of things that will help, resources, whatever. But ultimately... What you have to do here is reconcile with your own self and your own position in the world and accept the fact that whether you like it or not, you don't face certain things because that's just how it is. Um, so, yeah, it's just... And once again, just tired, man. Like, very tired of having to have this conversation. And, like, I made the mistake. I say I made the mistake, but even that in... I'm making... I'm, I'm being apologist in, in that. So, Newcastle City Council put out their... Um, uh, put their lights on as a show of solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. I read the Newcastle Chronicle article um, and then I looked at the comments on Facebook and obviously I shouldn't have done that, obviously. Shouldn't have done that. And that was what someone said to me and that someone kind of works for the council. And at first I was about to go on a Twitter and I'm, 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 I'm in two minds about this. Once again, Dan, I feel like I've kind of walked away from a situation here where I maybe should have you know, gone back to them and said, no, nah, you can't, you can't, they, you know, basically said, don't read the comments. And I'm like, well, this is a post about solidarity. If I'm not meant to read comments on a post like this, where am I meant to read the comments on the internet? Um, and they kind of were very apologetic and, and, and uh, apologist and kind of excused their behavior. And like, I've got the tweet saved in my draft and I was ready to pull it, but I, w I was just like, I'm not ready to do this. And I'm not ready to do this on this platform in this way. Um, so it's a real, everything just seems to be have been a battle this week um, in terms of picking the right conversations, the right, you know, I, I think I spent, I buried my phone somewhere in the house and just left it alone for hours um, because I was like, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't continue putting so much energy into this because it's just fatiguing. So yeah, it's just, a, it's a very strange situation. I think, I think one thing we talk about is the difference and I think the whole coronavirus pandemic has obviously acted as as like gasoline or you know um, white spirit on a barbecue, because never at a point in American history has there been so many people unemployed. Has it been so evident that the system is broken and people literally die because of these kind of systemic you know differences? Um, and you've got someone in the White House who, let's be honest, he's he's more of an accelerant for this kind of stuff as well. Like it's it's in. I find it like incredible and Alana, I'm, you know, I, I'm interested to, what is it like having your head of state act 
in this manner. Like for me, it's like satire is dead. It's it's funny because I stopped listening to anything Trump had to say mm, three years ago because <laughs> um, I just know the incendiary comments that he's going to like I it just doesn't surprise me so you know when people come to me they're like oh have you heard the most recent thing he said I'm like I could probably just tell you what he said based on what I think he said um but I was thinking about this earlier today and I was thinking you know if this exact same thing if this situation was exactly the same but Hillary Clinton was the president I actually don't think there would have been such a strong reaction. Um, and I say that because I think that Trump's clear bigotry um, is adding fuel to the fire of people's anger. Whereas I feel like, you know, if the Democrats were in the White House and Hillary Clinton was president, um, everything would have just been kept sort of moderate. And I'm not saying I would have preferred Trump to be president. I'm not saying that. It was just a thought that I had of like, yeah. it's making people more angry the more he talks and therefore I think more motivated to act. Because as we've said, this isn't new, you know, even though the video of George may be the worst thing that I've ever seen, there's a thousand videos or not videos, but there are a thousand instances or more of that that have happened under more moderate um, administrations where they were able to sort of keep everything placid. So. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't know if that's, if that's necessarily the case. Like, I feel like from the outside, obviously America's, it's kind of on a path and it is like it's like a perfect storm because you've got this president in the white house who who to say he i'd be i'd be being very generous to say that he just didn't care about ethnic minorities that's as charitably as i could put it so i just feel like this i mean when obama was in the white house plenty of blacks were being killed then anyway there was, you know people were protesting like and then he'd come out the next day and he'd condemn it and he'd say we want to get justice they wouldn't get justice and then we'd all move on and it was it would like protest wise yes it was suppressed and you know it was placid and places weren't literally burning but i feel like if hillary clinton was in the white house media wise it would have been exactly the same because they'd have just drummed up the they, they wanted to amp up the divisions so it would i mean it was a scandal when obama wore a tan suit so <laughs> it would have. I, I feel like it's still. They still would have found a way to pour fuel onto this fire. Onto this fire. I think the big difference with Trump being um, in power, though, is the violence that the state has shown towards the media. This guy has been using the most violent language towards the media for literally since he was campaigning in 2015, and then you now see. Oscar Jimenez being arrested on camera you see like you see white women reporters having rubber bullets shot at them um and and I kind of make that thing of white women reporters because you know it it becomes more real when it's them I'm kind of reminded of so many kind of hierarchies that sadly exist um 
And so where I do think that you can that he has been an accelerant is the treatment, the violent treatment of the media is the natural progression of what happens when you demonize them year on year on year from the highest position uh, in that country. Um, and then, of course, like you can't hide on a slightly different thing. You can't separate the fact that people are pissed off. They've been cooped up in their houses. They've been they've seen loved ones die they've um you know every and i think in america as well i've got friends in america everybody's played by the rules you know and so when you see something not being played by the rules that's when you see explosions of anger um because everybody's had to sacrifice people have had to watch loved ones funerals on skype and you know so when you see something like this i think it adds to i think that you know to use the fire metaphor it's been a very very dry summer and very 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 hot and that any kind of spark was going to lead to this uh, kind of explosion i i actually watched did the right thing just the other day and it, it did it was it, it's before all this kicked off but it did come back to mind in the last couple of weeks um i mean a couple of us have answered there over where it feels different this time and i it it to me it feels like it's weird the 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 situation doesn't feel different what feels different is the kind of atmosphere around the situation if you get what i mean so um and it was it, i think what got through to people was previously like it, it's just how calm they've become doing it now it's just how calm. Like I, I didn't really. Again, like you, Alana, I've not, I've never gotten through that video, and I don't really wish to. It, like the first time I saw it, it just popped up on the feed, and I was just like, oh goodness. But it's just, it's just how calm they are doing it. Like that, um, like it's, it's, it is unnerving, and even for someone who's become used to it, just popping up on the feed, like it's. I think that is what sort of really cut through this time and because there's no way that you could there's no way that you could look at that video and think he must have been doing something wrong yeah. it's just clearly out of nowhere someone decides to basically torture someone to death for nine minutes mm-hmm. yeah well, it's well, horrendous yeah, the, like the point I also like to make when people say these things, like you, you should have obeyed the cops. It's like, but yeah, but it's but the the penalty for that is not a death sentence. It, there is not, <laughs> there's no capital punishment mm. for having a fake passport, for having a fake driving license, for selling loose cigarettes, like for for driving without car insurance. It's, there's no capital punishment for that. But the worst thing is as well, cops are supposedly trained to act with a calm head in high pressure situations. We're not taught that aside from the conversations that black parents seem to have to have with their children of the way that you react when a when a cop starts to threaten you or a cop is even having the conversation with you. Yet still, still, as calm as you can be and say, yes, I'm complying, officer. Where would you like me to go, officer? What do you want me to do, officer? I do not want to be killed, officer. I feel threatened. That's not enough. So what is the answer? And that's why... That's one of the reasons that really hit home so much for me this week because, I mean, what was the, what was the crime? It was supposed to be a counterfeit $20, $20 bill. I mean, anyone could get into a situation... Exactly. Anyone can get into a situation similar to that. And I was always 
I'm always one of those people that if I'm in a situation, and I said this in my post last week, where if I'm doing something which I think might rouse suspicion, even if I'm doing nothing wrong at all, a lot of the time I'll try and premeditate that situation and think, what can I say to make sure that I've got them on side right from the get-go? But that doesn't seem to be enough. Yeah, it's... I think you've hit the nail on the head, Dan. It's like, regardless of what these individuals were doing, that the consequences of the police officer's actions is it's it's outrageous it's 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 it should be and is completely unfathomable like unfathomable like they've taken someone's life for what a a minor crime anyway um and i think who is it was it cornell west who referred to it as what it was which was like a public lynching once again the the fact that the video got around so quickly and so to so many people obviously has kind of lit and fanned the flames but once again, I think it just comes down to the fact that people are now, people are angry. People are mad with not just the police brutality, but this, like arguably the system. Like we've had, if you look at Western society over the last kind of five years, we've had this this huge push of nationalism, populism. Um, and if you look at the, what the consequences of those policies and those things are, like the way these governments have governed, like it has made it harder for your everyday person. It has made it harder for people, you know, your black people, your um, Asian people, minor other, you know, ethnic minorities. Like, so I think one thing people need always need to do is step back and understand that all of this at play is far bigger than just this one incident. It's far bigger than just this this argument. And I think this is why we're seeing so many people get fired up about it is because it's not just like it's it is a it's not just about black lives it's now about justice it's now about kind of you know reflecting and looking at society and going this isn't good enough um so i think yeah i think on top of that as well so i've kind of forced myself to get out of my echo chamber i said a couple of times on this podcast that in the run-up to brexit and, and other notable political events i kind of cleared out my social media of people that are just vastly, vastly different from me in terms of the way that I think. And what I did is I've, I've kind of tried to go back into that a little bit. So I joined a community group on Facebook um, based in the place that I grew up in home for. He's let the termites back in. I have, I have. But this was a little bit more calculated <laughs> this time. So initially, I'll be honest, I initially joined the Duke just to have a, a little laugh to myself during, um, during lockdown. But it's kind of become invaluable now because... I'm engaging in conversations with people who I know will not have many, if any, black or other ethnic minorities as friends. Um, So what I'm trying to do is engage with people and start that conversation. And I posted a resource in there for people to try and learn and develop and understand racism and understand what they can do for themselves and to the wider society to make things better. And a couple of things about it were quite interesting. So the first thing is when I posted that resource into the group i was pleasantly surprised with the uplift i was pleasantly surprised with how many people engaged with it um and then not too surprisingly it kind of reaffirmed what i expected in the first place looking at the people who engage with it every single person aside from those who i already knew was a white woman there were no white men that engaged with it which was the first takeaway and then off the back of that 
another person, uh, a white woman, she posted a resource as well. And I think on top of that, she also posted some information about a demonstration coming up. And on that post, with it being a white person that had actually instigated it, that's when all the comments started to come through about all lives matter. Um, because I can only assume that people are terrified of being called a racist if they disagree with or post these comments underneath something that a black person said. And in one of those comments, so I've been going through with a very, very level head and not getting engaged in any arguments. Unlike my mother, she's calling people exactly what they are. <laughs> Salute to Heather Thompson. Um, but in one of these comments, someone started to post loads of statistics about police brutality and then shouting that we shouldn't even be protesting about this because more white people get killed by the police. Yada, yada, yada. You've all heard them saying bullshit before. And... To that, my response was very, very simple. And I said, your argument would hold any water if that is all we were protesting about, if that's all we were angry about. And no response, because a lot of people just don't understand it. And there's not understanding it, but then there's also a, a lack of wanting to understand it. This kind of, mm. I don't want to learn because it doesn't affect me. And if I do start to listen, if I do start to hear, if I do start to understand, maybe I'm going to learn things about myself that I don't like. Maybe I'm going to face some truth that I don't really want to hear right now. And I think there's a hell of a lot of people out there who really, really don't want to feel that discomfort that they're feeling right now. Mm. So if I can um, just cut in there, Angelo. No, yeah. actually the floor, floor's your mate. So um, just for the listeners, there's been a very kind of um, interesting discussion going on in the group chat about Killer Mike. But before we get on to that, what I wanted to do was actually um, read, read something that I wrote on Sunday, I believe, um, which links to what Dom was saying and what, what Nate was saying. And it's about kind of where, why this anger is so much more than it has been over many of the killings before. Um, and I think that what we had was, at least under Obama, even if you were disappointed in his performance... I think there was a belief and an understanding that he was still trying to fulfill and uphold a social contract. Uh, even if he was, wasn't was being successful, he was trying to uphold a social contract. He, on the surface, was trying to do the best for as many people as he could. Um, and the so, and we're talking about people that are protesting, people that have burned um, municipal buildings, people that have gone into shops... The destruction of buildings and parts of cities has to be viewed in the context of broken social contracts. A contract only has meaning if both parties stick to it. If you've got the police, the instrument of the state, going out there and killing black people uh, with impunity, the social contract has no meaning. And the last thing that I would say is, is a personal view, which we might then be able to seg into the Killer Mike chat, or maybe not is the the people that are saying you know stop and i'm using their word because i don't believe i don't like this word at all but stop looting stop burning for me they don't have an understanding of what that is symbolic of which is if if the contract is broken if a contract was rotten at, from its core from its start making tweaks to it is not going to help it needs to be raised to the ground and started again so whilst I won't be going out there and burning and doing things like that, I have no issue with people that do because I understand that what it, that is symbolic of is saying we can't have tweaks. 
we can't we're not satisfied with somebody being arrested and then being acquitted down the road we're not even really satisfied with somebody being arrested and then going to prison and everybody saying that they're the one bad egg the system itself is rotten when i have rotten food in my fridge if it's rotten to the core i don't then try and scrape off the little bits that aren't rotten and serve it up i've got to throw it all out and start again and i think that a lot of the anger a lot of that protest a lot of the the kind of people on the streets throwing things setting fire has to be viewed in the context of everything about their society is from their perspective is rotten so it needs to start again yeah i i think that goes back to actually um I think Nate touched on this a little bit, too, um, with what Cornell West was saying. Uh, He also said, you know, America is just what's happening in America now is evidence of a failed experiment, failed Mm -hmm. political experiment, social experiment. The, you know, capitalistic, like that predatory capitalistic, um, individualistic those ideals that America was founded on. Um, it's like the chickens are coming home to roost, you know? Like, mm. it was founded on shit. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's just, like, crumbling apart. It's like, okay, we tried it this way, and it's not working for the people. And people are recognizing yeah. that this is a system that was built for very, 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 very few and now it's right in front of you that we as a whole people are getting the shit under the stick. Mm. Um, and that our the what America was founded on is is a failure, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think that leads to uh, one thing I've been really thinking about um, is obviously like we see or we always see a lot of short term activism and immediate kind of out, outcry and support and thinking you know one one question i've seen a lot of the time is how do you you know i think about is how do you change a a systemic problem right so like in my job and in what i do we often work with systems and systems of change and i think the first thing we often do is start looking at how the system operates as it is and i think there has to be a truth and kind of reconciliation program um similar to that of what germany did with the nazis like and kind of how Germany reflected on their society. And if you look at how Germany is, you know, uh, not just polices, Nazism, but all those kind of things, um, it's built on this period of reflection that they did and education they did as a nation. And, you know, we often talk about what is it people need. And for me, that's that's what we need. But like, who's going to do that? We haven't even heard from, our, you know, our lovely PM about any of what's going on. Um, we barely heard from him, you know, at all. So if we're looking at the, we can't, for me, we can't look to the same institutions we're calling racist to then be the the facilitators and scaffolding that we use to educate and to kind of do stuff. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just, it just lead kind of into a conversation we were having offline. Yeah, so there was a, a conversation that we were having sort of privately in a group and it stemmed from uh, a TV appearance by Killer Mike from Run the Jewels and TI. And for a bit of history, I've I've tuned out to Killer Mike for a while. 
uh, just uh, questionable of some of his politics and unquestionable about some of his motives. So it's it won't surprise anyone that knows me to know that I, I deem his words not worth a massive amount. And he had a TV appearance which was it was it was lauded in many quarters for his honesty. He came on uh, alongside the mayor of Atlanta after a night of rioting where they'd been burning down a number of businesses, black businesses, uh, and he came on with TI. TI, most notably called Atlanta Wakanda, and sort of didn't really give the occasion the gravitas it deserved. And then Killer Mike came on. Um, I didn't want to come. And I don't want to be here. I'm the son of an Atlanta City police officer. Um, <clears throat> my cousin is an Atlanta City police officer. And my other cousin, East Point police officer. And I got a lot of love and respect for police officers, down to the original eight police officers in Atlanta, that even after becoming police, had to dress in a YMCA because white officers didn't want to get dressed. And here we are 80 years later. I watched a white officer assassinate a black man. And I know that tore your heart out. And I know it's crippling. And I have nothing positive to say in this moment because I don't want to be here. But I'm responsible to be here because it wasn't just Dr. King and people dressed nicely who marched and protested to progress this city and so many other cities. It was people like my grandmother, people like my aunts and uncles. So I'm duty bound to be here to simply say that it is your duty not to burn your own house down for anger with an enemy. It is your duty to fortify your own house so that you may be a house of refuge in times of organization. And now is the time to plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize. It is time to beat up prosecutors you don't like at the voting booth. It is time to hold mayoral offices accountable, chiefs and deputy chiefs. Atlanta is not perfect, but we're a lot better than we ever were, and we're a lot better than cities are. I'm mad as hell. I woke up wanting to see the world burn down yesterday because I'm tired of seeing black men die. He casually put his knee on a human being's neck for nine minutes as he died like a zebra in the clutch of a lion's jaw. And we watch it like murder porn over and over again. So that's why children are burning to the ground. They don't know what else to do. And it is the responsibility of us to make this better. Right now, we don't want to see one officer charged. We want to see four officers prosecuted and sentenced. We don't want to see targets burning. We want to see the system that sets up for systemic racism burnt to the ground. So I was, again, looked, looked at this not very, not very, uh, not very well. And 
Run the Jewels album was rush released, and I was like, mm, Killer Mike, he's at it again. Now, my point being, I feel like he's one of those people, and you get these people a lot around the black debate, is they're, when there is pain and there is suffering, it's the same voices you see on the TV, and it's the same voices you hear on the radio, and I deem the Killer Mike as being one of those people. I didn't really want to post this online because I thought it's now's not the time for the negativity, but I feel like it's worthy of a wider debate and, and Dom thinks I'm wrong, which is why we're talking about it now. Can I talk some shit about T.I.? You can. You can talk yeah. it. Okay, so, so, and I'm going to put this here. This thing with Black Lives Matter, if, if we're, like, and I'm talking to black people and specifically I'm talking to black men. This, hold on. This is my public service announcement to black men. Stop saying black lives matter when you keep treating black women like shit. And you've got ha the, the nerve, the nerve of TI to come out and try and kind of police anything with some of the comments that he has come out and said about his own freaking daughter. No, sorry, he's not the one. He, he can get back in the box and um, i'm gonna say this now because i don't think there is a, a a better place to to put it we're talking about black lives matter you've got a trans woman called liana dior who is who got who got the absolute hell beaten out of her by black guys the leading killer of tra black trans women is cisgender trans men black men if you are saying that black lives matter and you're not including black women in all of their wonderful shapes and sizes Get out of my life, get out of my mentions, and stop <laughs> talking shit. The end. Back to Killer Mike. Yes, sir. Now, his career rise, like the last three albums they've had, it's, to me, it's been largely built off the back of his raptivism. And I don't know if that's a new coinage, but it might be. But, you know, I'm pretty good at what I do. <laughs> and I feel like men with larger good intentions can act in a way prejudicial to the causes that they purport to support. So that's where you have people like Killer Mike, you have people like Sean King, DeRay McKesson, and I feel like this celebrity almost outstrips the thing that they're fighting for. And it's, it's essentially, it is more harmful to the cause than them not being there at all. And I cite the fact that Run of Jewels' last three albums have come out around the time we've had, like, one came out after Ferguson, then after the Trump election, and then another this week. I mean, I was pointing out that it came out for free, but they don't make the money from that. They make the money from shows, and all their albums have been free. So it wasn't a special one-off because of the occasion. That's just how they give them out. Um, and I just feel like, whether he likes it or not, he's been used as a useful tool by as, like, the apparatus of the state, which is oppressing these people in the first place. The same thing happened to me with uh, Malcolm Jenkins and Eric Reed and Cap when they had him become the face of the players coalition in the NFL. They got Malcolm Jenkins to be the respectable black. Let's put him out there and to cut off Cap and Eric Reed and the more revolutionary people who wanted to enforce real change. Now, Malcolm Jenkins, he was conflicting his own right. He, he's got a Papa John's franchise. Cap was messing with his money. I, I'm not going to guess his intentions, but I feel like, you know, that's also got to play a part. Similar like Killer Mike, he's got lots of police in his family. He's got property in Atlanta. The protest for the last four years, he's been talking about revolution, being revolutionary, 
the protest came to his door and suddenly it's go home. Like Jay-Z, again, he, he was used by the NFL. Financially, it's good for him. Past kneeling, are we? Looks like it. So I don't like it when we put these people up there as, 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 as fighting for, for, for a cause which is dear to others because they're celebrities. And when you actually look at it, I, they, they're gaining more from it than the people that they're proposed to be fighting for. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with, with a lot of what you just said then. I think something that I've always had an issue with, especially more in the last few years, has been around how much we uphold celebrity and we tend to not as necessarily but just people tend to look at celebrities as the beacons for society and celebrities as the people that need to affect change in the world and yes they do have a very powerful voice they do have a huge huge reach but they're not necessarily the right people my issue really with the killer mike thing and Another point that I agree with, I think he was being used as a bit of a tool for the Atlanta government um, and the Atlanta mayor. I 100% acknowledge that. I agree. But I think at the same time, whilst he was probably being used as a tool for them, that doesn't necessarily mean that his own intentions weren't completely different. And one of the things that I see is quite consistent with Killer Mike's back catalogue and his raptivism, as you put it, Dan, and his TV, his entertainment, whatever you want to go into, the message for me is always quite consistent. It's around educating the black community, um, black-owned business, speaking out against uh, police brutality, militancy against that. I mean, he's one of the advocates of black people going out and arming themselves, which is an issue that I have. I don't really agree with that at all, but I understand why he says it. And then at the same time, the power of the black vote. And I think all of these different items you can deconstruct them one by one, but I think they are together what paints the picture of what Killer Mike stands for. And within his music, there is a specific message and it is a more militant form of that message than it is when he goes in front of the media, when he goes onto his broader audience on the TV, etc. And I don't think that in softening his tone or using a different approach when he goes onto the television, takes anything away from what he says when he's on his records i mean when he's on his records he's pretty pretty heavy-handed with what he's saying um but when he was in the media the other day he was saying it's time to plot plan strategize and mobilize and i think the two can go hand in hand so he says all the time about his dad was a cop and he doesn't have anything against cops specifically but then in the same breath he'll be talking about a point blank killing a cop my dad was a cop It's difficult to look at that and not think this is someone who is completely at odds with himself in having one message for one person and a different message for a different person. But I completely understand it because he knows the power of his message. He knows the power of his audience and his influence. And I think for him, getting the message across around black business, and this is the way that I took it, 
in terms of plotting, planning, strategizing, and mobilizing. These are all things around community outreach, about learning, black business, about real black empowerment. Now that, all of that leads to a greater influence when it comes to the polls. Because if you start to withdraw money from huge corporations, and then that starts going into black neighborhoods, then all of a sudden, when you go to the polling booth, it means a lot more than it did a few years ago. And I think it's all part of a bigger picture, rather than we just looking at it being one thing, yes, on this track he's saying, if I gotta kill a copper just to make it out of the building, that motherfucker getting left dead, no feelings. One breath, and then another breath is saying something completely different. I think the two go together well. And then in terms of the times that these albums were released, it's unfortunate, man, but the album was supposed to come out this Friday. They pushed it forward two days. We're still gonna be we're still gonna be protesting in two days' time. The last one just after Trump's just after Trump's inauguration, the one before that, Ferguson. I am absolutely certain that if you speak to Killer Mike or LP, they would have much rather it come in a much more peaceful time. But that's just the shit that goes on over there. You could say it's calculated. Uh, maybe I'm a bit naive and not being so cynical, but I don't think it is at all. That's fair. I mean, to me, it's they haven't got any other types of bars. Like, so it's going to be protest. It's going to be quite angry, quite violent, and that's that's fine. That's that's what they're cutting out. That's what they're, they're releasing. Um, when you think to pimp a butterfly, when you think uh, the Messiah, when you think uh, what's going on, there are other ways you can get that message. If if that's what you're really about, where's the healing? There's, you don't profit from singing that message. You're not going to get keep getting asked to go on TV. You're not going to go on NRI TV. You're not going to go on Fox News and have these messages. So that, that's, to me, it is calculated. It's not like, he's, it's not accidental that he's having like a, this, this sort of duality of, of his message. It's, it's, that's, it's very, very deliberate. Um, the voting thing, in 2016, he told people not to vote. He said, stay your ass at home because he was a Bernie boy and Bernie didn't get through and that's fine. And he told people not to vote. So, I mean, is, is it growth or is it like the message just changes by the day? He just, whichever way the wind's blowing. Like when, when did the strategizing come in? When did this planning come in? When did this voting these people out come in? It, it feels to me to be quite a disjointed, inconsistent message. And to me, that's in keeping with people who, who are sort of putting themselves slightly ahead of, of the message that they're, they're trying to put out there. Shall I tell you one thing that came to mind when we had this conversation this morning? Um, one of the most powerful videos I think that's come from the last week is the exchange between three men. So you had the 45-year-old, the 31-year-old, yeah. and the 16-year-old. I understand. Well, we we worried about this. I understand, material, but we won't stand up for them. I understand. They get killed on the day. Come here, talk to me. I understand. How do you? I'm tired of this. How do you? I'm 45 years old. 45 man. and I'm 31. And I'm tired of seeing this. And you, the man. older generation than me, and I'm right. too. And we've been standing but around tell you as something. the older ones taking all this bullshit. Always hoping for a kumbaya fucking yacht. Come here. Always standing around for a kumbaya Ain't nobody coming to protect us. Let me tell you. We got to start our own fucking life. I understand. But let me tell you something right here. This 16, he's 16. Oh and they gonna kill him next week. He's 16. What we gonna do? You tell me. What we gonna but do? this ain't the way. Cause they ready to let loose. If the United States 
president say, if you knew we shoot, we know we shoot. I know it. It's always the man. But it's time to stand up. So at this point, at this point, I'm ready to die for what's going on. Let me tell you something. That's the problem that we got. What you see right now is going to happen 10 years from now. And at 26, you're going to be doing the same thing I'm doing. You understand that? 10 years. You're going to be right here too. So what I need y'all to do right now at 16 is come up with a better way. Because how we doing it, it ain't working. He angry at 46. I'm angry at 31. You angry at 16. Really, really powerful stuff. Heartbreaking stuff. And that's the kind of thing that comes to my mind when I think of this situation here with Killer Mike. He has seen protests before, he's seen civil disobedience before, and none of it's worked. So he's hella angry in his music. But then there comes a point when you're like, shit, this isn't even working. I'm jaded, he's 45. He could quite easily be the 31 year old in that situation and be like, this isn't working, we've got to do something else. We've got to do something else because there's only so many, so many times you can use one message before you get sick of having to say that same thing yourself. And then you start looking for different answers to those same questions. And I think it's quite plausible that that's the situation that we've got here. But again, I know I keep saying it over and over again. I think all of the messages that he comes out with his music, when he's in public, etc., etc., it all feeds into the same thing. And I think we'd all acknowledge that in order to make any change in society, it's just not one approach that's needed. There's various approaches that are needed. And if one of those is anger, use the anger, channel it in the right ways. And I think that's what he's getting at there. But at the same time, there's two ways to look at the way that he acts in, in, in the media when he's going on TV and when he's doing interviews, etc. He's got a platform which isn't afforded to everyone. And whilst we still have social media, whilst we can get our word to pretty much anyone nowadays, to get on television, it's pretty invaluable. To get onto these big broadcast is pretty invaluable. And I think if he was to start spouting some of the stuff that he says in his music, he would lose that. And I think he values that so much that it's like, you know what, I've got to say this. It's kind of like a funnel. If I have the top of the funnel, my appearance with the Atlanta mayor, here it is, I can suck people in a little bit. And then there's a lot of those people that are gonna, they're gonna fly away. And then there's a few other people as well that are gonna channel down, listen to my music and listen to the real anger there. Yeah, I mean, Kill Killer Mike is not NWA. No, Killer Mike is not Ice Cube. So I think you, I think you're being over generous there in in his message. I mean, like some of the, the some of the lyrics are striking, to the point where I'm like, this is it's 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 almost like it's not cartoon violence, but it's like this man is not really like this at all. Um, it's I it brings to mind like it's a quote I retweeted. Uh, Martin Luther King where he says certain conditions continue to exist in our society which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots but in the final analysis a riot is the language of the unheard mm -hmm. so that's what really set me off personally that you can you can then come out as Killer Mike knowing what he knows yeah. the person that he is and then tell people who are hurting who are suffering having seen that video of those three men that we saw Mm -hmm. arguing each other where the guy who's 45 is broken the guy who's 31 is still quite hopeful but he's trying to protect the the, the younger the is he 16 year old yeah how you can then come out and tell these people to go home strategize N that moment for me 
is the time to almost sort of put an arm around mm-hmm. people. It was it, there was there wasn't really like it was just it was just like go home protest it's fine will be will be a good tomorrow. I, I agree with that. that I, I I honestly agree with that and. My issue this morning in this conversation now is not with what you're saying about his messaging. I don't mind that at all. I mean, I agree with it to some extent. It's more around profiting from black pain. I just, I can't, knowing what I know about his product and listen to him for as long as I have done, I just, I can't get behind something like that. And just before we, we open up the conversation a bit further and whatnot, there was, when I was going through the album today, it's the first time I listened to it, there was just one passage which I found quite striking because this was written August, July last year and it sounds like it could have been written on Saturday. And every day on the evening news they feed your fear for free And you so numb you watch the cops choke out a man like me Until my voice goes from a shriek to whisper I can't breathe And you sit there in the house on couch and watch it on TV the most you give a Twitter rant and call it a tragedy. It's amazing that something that was written so long ago is so relevant today. And we can say this about Kendrick, we can say this about Public Enemy, we can say this about Marvin Gaye, we can say this about Sam Cooke. And that's the thing that gets me. We have musicians and artists across the spectrum that are making this kind of art and, it's t- and it stands the test of time. And of course, I'm not saying that Killer Mike is someone that is as influential there's any of those people that i just mentioned but i think there are certain times when you kind of need a soundtrack to that pain you need a soundtrack to that pain and i could be the soundtrack right now um so there's a couple of things one killer mike musically is like the issue for me is that kind of it's like i i get more out of kendrick lamar's feel than i do out of anything that killer mike has said but that's that's by the by my issue is is i kind of i kind of lump him with people like deray mckesson and sean king so um, when I've looked out on um, the talk shows and on podcasts, DeRay McKesson's on everything, Sean King's on everything, Killer Mike's on everything, Killer Mike's there smiling it up with uh, Stephen Colbert a couple of nights ago. This is their job. And for me, uh, activism and capitalism are horrible bedfellows. Because the thing is, is like DeRay McKesson has become like the voice of kind of protest but if you listen to if you listen to people on the ground in Ferguson he did not promote his book in Ferguson because he was heckled there because people said that you came here for clout and you haven't actually helped but you've used it to kind of build your own brand and now he is he kind of is on the Pod Save America scene he was on a Ringer podcast recently and yet the people that he kind of built his name off the back of that has put money in his pocket are very critical of him. Same thing with Sean King. If you listen to black women who have been saying for the longest time, this guy starts a lot of projects that then that kind of fundraise lots of money and that money doesn't go anywhere. Where's the money going? You know, there was the thing, was it Clarissa Brooks who called him out and then he threatened to sue her and she was like, go on, I've got receipts. And he backed down. You know, so for me, Killer Mike very much fits into that where it's like, activism is his job because the thing is is like and it, it he he it's probably not fair to compare him to the artists that were said but marvin Gaye made a protest album but he wasn't a protest musician like he lived his life and when he felt the need to protest he put out one of the great albums of all time um same with the other artists that you said sam cook very much the same but you know as as as, as dan said you know i i i do think that it's like he, he does capitalize on moments by releasing these albums and the things that he's saying you know it's no krs1 black cop 
Um, but it's also that's his lane. That's how he gets paid. And for me, it's like I kind of feel the pain, and I'm never going to criticize somebody that says something that I don't necessarily agree with when I know that they're in absolute pain. But for the message to essentially be, um, don't destroy the master's house while wearing a shirt that says kill your masters, I just can't get past that. Again, I, I don't necessarily disagree with the, the part about the messaging. I think it could have been better, but this album was coming out this week, whether this happened or not. It was coming out this week. The album was coming out around November, whether Trump got elected or not. These are release dates. I think it is unfair completely unfair and unfounded to say that he's profiting from Black Pain based on when he releases these tracks, when he releases these albums. The opening track from this album came out about three weeks ago. Everything was on course. Everything was scheduled as it was supposed to be. It's, it's a it's coincidence. It's not just release dates. It's the, that taken with everything else he does. Like, I mean, you keep saying like, reciting his lyrics, but the fact is you don't trust someone on what they say. You trust them on what they do. And what they do mm. is the appearances that they choose to make. What they do is the appearance they choose to make and then they open their mouth on the TV. That's what they do. What they do is appearing on NRI TV. Like, that's all I'm saying. It's like, to me, like, we can cite these looks and they are powerful, but it's just words. It's there. It's literally just there. Like, rappers have been lying on wax since, <laughs> since the first bar of all. And they're like, never going to stop. That, and they're never yeah. going to exactly. stop. But exactly. we're so saying that's why here, the conversation was all about that he's profiteering based on when these albums were released. And I think that's completely unfair. And I'll never agree with that. You never agree. I think that, I think I agree with Dom on saying the release dates themselves are uh, obviously uh, uh, no indication of him profiteering from it. But I think I'm always, once again, I'm always very sceptical of people that align themselves to a cause and then that cause becomes synonymous with what they do. So, mm -hmm. because inevitably, now Killer Mike's kind of welfare is linked to his success yeah. in these moments. So, I think he has to be, we, we live in, I think, what is it? It, 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 one of the, I can't remember the quote, but it talks about how we, once people like us get into this system, we become too acquainted with mm -hmm. the, you know, he's like, um, I think in the article you posted from The Guardian, it talks about kind of, he's, yes, he's supporting Black Lives Matter and Black Lives, but his class sets him at a different, yeah. um, sets him with different priorities and, and different things. And I think that's what I look at. When I look at celebrities and I look at um, uh, people who, once again, like I say, their activism suddenly becomes their thing is, well, for me, it's not about making my livelihood from activism. Like, it's about my livelihood. And so I'm always with Killer I don't really pay attention to I don't really like Run The Jewels music that much. Um, it's not for me. I get the message. I'm, once again, I can see how it works for him. Um, but it comes, same with, and, and this criticism, TI is the perfect example um, as well, is like, we because people have this platform there is an assumption that they are well versed um and i think as we saw killer mike was speaking with an awful lot of emotion it was real for him his lived experience his family's experience the people around him um but for me we should look to people who are well versed in this much broader so yeah. for me having killer mike up there reaches certain people and engages with certain people, and I see the utility in that. But for me, it's like, 
we need an expert on this shit up there. Mm-hmm. Because, and I know people aren't going to listen to that message, they'll turn the news off, etc., etc. So I know it's that that you have to kind of conform to the format, which inherently isn't here to set up a meaningful conversation and debate about this kind of topic. So I think for me, it's like, I don't, fi- I don't view Killer Mike as profiteering from it, but I'm just very wary of people like that. Like, I'm not going to say what his intentions are. It's impossible for me to tell. Yeah. But with people like that, it's a pinch of salt. I don't look to people like him as real activists, you know? So that's that's it. That's kind of, that's my position. Yeah, I, I can hear that 100%. The, the vast majority of what Alter Eve just said, I can fully appreciate and I agree with a lot of it as well. It's just, yeah, it's just the other part. Well, actually, I think that's that's actually my point. Like, this is what I love about our group. We're critical of these people. We have a, com- we've, we've spent pretty much, you know, most of the day having a conversation or thinking about it. Um, and I think that's what people need to do. You know, they need to be critical of these individuals. Don't just take their message for the gospel because they have this platform and whatever else, but be critical. And I think we live obviously in a world where being critical isn't rewarded, you know? And I think that's, that's the kind of, one of the issues I have with, you know, they're talking about revolution and changing things. Well, that takes criticism, critical thinking. And the whole narrative of global, especially in like the global media, is that of like this post-truth world in it that we're living in where facts don't matter anymore. So I don't know. It's that, yeah, that's a whole different kind of conversation, but that's, that's where it leads me. Yeah. Fuck Sean King though, now and forever. Yeah. But, um, and as well, just just before we just before we finish this conversation as well, let me just reiterate: I do not hold Killer Mike on the level of those other musicians <laughs> that we just talked about. I just want to make that very very clear. Well, I, I was gonna say I wasn't quite gonna finish it off. I was just gonna say um, I just wanted to ask the women what they think in general. No, like basically, I, I I feel like this conversation is better when you open it out to. Uh, what the the area that Nate was sort of covering there, uh, you know, what's that? Is just a disagreement between me and Dom. It's I think it's better in that area where you're talking about um, people almost taking a cause on as their own. And I think in times like this, like you say, you see the same faces, you hear the same voices. Have you got a take on that? Sorry, sorry. One, one thing that struck me in this whole conversation because I have to be honest, like I don't really follow Killer Mike, but I did see that video and as someone who doesn't really have an attachment to the, you know, iconography of Killer Mike, um, I I liked the message, you know, like it it I could get on board with it, but that's also because I didn't know all of this context. And I think I think the point that I'm getting from this that I agree with the most is that, especially when it comes to celebrity, I was actually just having a conversation about this earlier about what the flag represents in America, but you can have a celebrity and people start to follow the symbol of that celebrity and forget what that person is supposed to be symbolizing and so for me it's really easy to watch that killer mike video and actually just hear his words because i don't i'm not holding up him up on him up onto any sort of pedestal or anything um but i do see other celebrities let's just say i mean one of the biggest celebrities like a beyonce or no you were talking about jay-z as well and people 
will look at that celebrity when they have a platform and they talk about you know a movement or Black Lives Matter people get like that warm and fuzzy feeling because it's their favorite celebrity talking about that subject rather than actually attaching to the message. And I do think that that is something that is quite dangerous. And it's not just about celebrity. It's about all iconography. And I was talking about this earlier with, um, uh, with my partner actually, and we were talking about the flag, like how people can say, you know, when you kneel during the pledge of allegiance, it's disrespectful to the flag or or somehow that that means it's disrespectful to the nation or, um, you know, even in religion, people can start to pay worship to like the image of the Christ without actually thinking about what that image is supposed to represent. And I think we all have to be aware of the danger of starting to give too much credence to just the symbol, just the iconography and not actually take the time to listen to the message that's being delivered so i don't really particularly i mean unless you know killer mike represents something that i don't personally want to support um i don't really mind what his business is but if i can get behind the message then um you know i'm okay with that but there there are other people who are activists politicians experts artists who have consistently delivered messages of social justice equality and all of that who i think should be given equal attention Um, and that's actually something that i've been encouraging with my friends you know uh especially my white friends i was like you know it's not just enough to follow black entertainers on instagram um, and say that you support black people start watching start following the feeds of black newscasters and black journalists black authors black business owners like like look at your feed and take all of the people you already follow who are not you know people of color and then just follow people of color who are doing the exact same thing i was gonna say that's a great segue actually into well, so we take come back round to our inter- interactions you've had with white friends and white family members in the last sort of week to ten days, and if they differ, we touched on it before, but if it differs from conversations you've been having before, and do you feel like you're not missing your words anymore? Do you feel like potentially uh, it's just they they're just virtue signalling, or you feel like this is going to be a constant thing? I I can tell that Angelo is going to be a bit more cynical about this than others. But I'd, I'd just be uh, interested to know. Before, you know, Angelo gets into his thing, because I could feel the cynicism coming to the screen as well. Um, I, well, there's a few things that I want to point out. I, when Angelo brought this up, it actually occurred to me that I have experienced the same thing, and that is that the outreach that I have received has been from white people has been almost exclusively white women, mm-hmm. um, which is not something that I thought about until you brought it up, which is really interesting. And as someone who predominantly has white male friends, that's really interesting for me to think about. And I'm really, it, I, 
maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I guess because I would consider these people friends, it is it is surprising. So that's one thing no. that I just wanted to highlight is, and and that isn't surprising. I mean, it's always been women at the forefront of um, social. Any movement. Any, yeah. any movement. Any movement. Yeah. Um, there was something else that you that you asked. Um, but I guess I'll just I'll just touch on the outreach. Um, so virtue signaling. Yeah. So the virtue signaling. I think. Yeah. I mean, of course it's happening. Of course. But it seems like there are just a couple more people actually willing to engage with the issue. Um, and I say that because. I've had more people saying, what can I specifically do? And then following through and doing that thing. And not just educating themselves, but donating. Um, within my group of friends, we've talked about um, you know, compiling a list of Black-owned businesses in our local area and making like a weekly trip to go and support those businesses that are open, taking a photo of it, and then posting that on social media, and then you know, writing reviews and telling people to go to those places. So it does seem like people are actually taking the action. Because one of the things that really frustrates me, and I could see this even happening now, is like previously, you know, it would be one of these incidents would happen and then people would throw up, you know, Black Lives Matter posts. It's like just an image to show support and then it would disappear. Now people are posting all of these links and like educational resources. And I'm like, that's great. But what I want to see is a step further of people like taking a video of themselves and saying, I just read this important piece of literature. Here's what I thought about it. Here's what the questions I have are. Or taking a picture of the donation that you just made and posting that and saying, I actually did this. I actually went to this business. I actually supported this thing. I don't think it's enough to just, again, put the images out there. It's like show the actual proof that you're taking active steps towards change. On that point as well, just before you go, Dan, sorry, I have been very, very pleasant. I don't even want to say surprised because I'm going to talk about my friends from back home now and they're very similar to your friendship circle from back home, Dan. Guys and gals. Quick welcome to the friends that Dom welcomed back onto Facebook uh, since the beginning of the year. <laughs> I ain't welcomed anyone back. I've not welcomed anyone back. Let me just say that I joined the group that might have some people that slipped through the cracks on it. But you I can get the back catalogue on Spotify. <laughs> Listen, the ones that got cut are still cut. Let's not get it twisted. Let's not get it twisted. Um, but yeah, shout out to the guys back home who I've been close with since since day. Um, so there's a couple of things that have happened in my conversations with them so um, Dan if you recall you sent me um, a resource that your friend Noxie had um, mentioned about using with his family to um, educate themselves so the resource is is basically around information that can help white people understand racism Um, and I sent that into a group that I'm in with friends from back home and I included a little bit of narrative but it was kind of like i'm throwing it in there go just run with it and what i have been kind of proud to see is i'm just dipping in and out of the conversation here and there but the amount of 
resources and information that they're sharing amongst each other. Like, I've just watched this. This is my takeaway from this. I had no idea about this. This has made me think a hell of a lot more about that. What are your guys' take on it? I really recommend this to you. And I'm the only black person in that group. And it's, it's kind of amazing to see because in having conversations with several of them throughout the year, they've all started to more recently understand the things that I've been through since I've started writing, since I've got involved with, with this podcast and being a bit more frank about my experience. But I think even then, it's only now that a lot of them are really starting to learn beyond my own experience. Because if I write about something, it again is my experience. So they can start to understand me a little bit more. Yet now I think they're starting to understand the broader picture and they're taking it upon themselves to do that. And I've been really pleasantly surprised. And another thing which has surprised me, which has given me a bit of hope, is asking questions and not caring about looking stupid. So one of the group, me and him had a private conversation and he's a smart guy, very intelligent guy. And he said to me, I don't want to sound stupid now, but I just, I can't, get my head around the white privilege thing given the scenario though that i grew up in single parent and all this kind of thing that we'll have had the conversation with several people before in the past and me and him just had a very frank discussion talking about certain aspects of life which he will not have to worry about certain scenarios that he might in which whilst to him they seem very normal to me i have to consider x y and z whenever i'm in that situation and him being honest and open and saying i am sorry, I feel like an idiot. I can't believe I've never ever acknowledged that. I can't believe I've never thought about that. And whilst it's something that is so simple, so simple to us because we experience it, I can understand people who have never had to think about that starting to realise now, okay, right, shit, there's a lot, of, a lot of reading I've got to do now because that's a pretty simple construct. If I couldn't understand that, what else don't I understand? And I think people are starting to warm themselves to this realisation that, I've got a lot of learning to do. And this isn't everyone. This is just people that I've interacted with. Some people as well, whom I've not spoken to in a long time, popping up onto my radar and just saying that they just wanted to check up on me because it must have been a heavy few days, a heavy few weeks. And it's little things. Sometimes it helps. Sometimes over the last week, I've felt like I've got two jobs. I've got my day job and then I've also got this job where <laughs> I'm educating people and it's it's damn hard it really really is hard and emotionally draining and everything but these conversations i hope they don't sound like they're just giving it lip service and i really hope that they're not because that would be even more heartbreaking than them never even asking in the first place i think if i start to see this interest this real visceral interest from people which isn't there in a month's time then that's going to break me even more than the previous hmm. sorry don't go on um, mate, no, that's, uh, I, was, I was actually going to use a story of yours to, to, just to back up what Alana had said earlier. Um, we, me and Dominic, a, a group on WhatsApp and a, f a friend of ours was, was asking about donations. And Dom had said that he'd made a couple, but he didn't want to publicise it. And just because you don't want to be seen as the person who's, you know, just making it, just, you know, publicising it for the sake of it. You don't end up like Virgil. And the point being, and, and this, this friend of ours said, like, it's a, a donation's never ever supposed to be a flex. So this friend of ours said, well, the fact is, if if you make one other person donate, who cares? Who cares? So, and that's I feel the same way 
about uh, this situation. Like I was quite cynical about it at first with with the black tiles and all that, but though it forces people to think a bit more. These people posting once, the vast majority of them are never going to think about it or post about it again. But an improvement of five percent is uh, is a hell of a lot better than an improvement of zero percent. Marginal no. gains. We've come around full circle. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, Brailsford. <laughs> but I mean, it's 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 a long way to go, and it's it's for me. I, I the reason why I'm more hopeful than I might be is because I've just not been having these conversations, and I realise so much how much I've been censoring things for other people. This like this last two weeks, I've realised how much hmm. I've been censoring the stuff that I have to go through when like and. I'm, I'm, and people are sort of realizing it now. It's a scales from the eyes moment for a lot of friends, and I've been surprised at a lot of the people that have reached out to me. Not surprised at some of the other people, and but at the same time, I'm never ever going to police what these people do. If you want to put up a post, you put the post up. If if you put a post up and never put up anything else again, I'll notice it. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make a thing out of it. That's mm. just. I, you're probably just gonna drift away from my life. Like I, I you, you know, what I mean? you notice yeah. it, yeah. but I'm not watching to see who's doing what. Sorry, Nate. No, no, that's you've kind of led me to something which it's interesting for me because I'm gonna start at the opposite end. I'm gonna start why I've kind of been fucked off this week with the kind of you know that the the social media, the world of social media is because the amount of times I've seen someone comment commenting on how people are protesting or how people are, uh, are showing solidarity rather than showing solidarity and just putting out their own personal message for the cause or for a, you know, of, of support. Um, it's just so like, like it's so frustrating because imagine you're going at it. What's, what's turning squares on Instagram going to do like on, you know, squares black on Instagram going to do. And for me, it's always, it, it always comes down to an understanding of what activism really is, right, for me. And it's you do something in order to have a conversation. So one thing, whether you like it or not, people changing their black squares for the day or not, inevitably caused, you know, a percentage of people to have conversations and to engage or to be aware of something that usually in their day-to-day life they're not aware of. That's a win for me. That's, you know, you got to take the small wins. Um because if you don't, Trevor, you know, you'll be broken. Um, but Trevor Noah, yeah. Sorry, no. Go sorry, on, Trevor, go Trevor Noah said, um, "People say, what good will it do? What good will it not do? Mm. What good will it not do?" Yeah, I mean, and and this is and this is the thing where I think, at first, I was quite, if I'm honest, I was quite overwhelmed by um, just seeing such an outpouring of of kind of support because. For us in our lives, and and certainly for my own lived experience, even in the last six months, um, there's been instances. Even like in the last week, like there's been instances where I've been like, ah, so like I'm seeing all this stuff on social media. It's positive, 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 positive. But then, literally, I can think of three occasions in the last six months where racially profiled or someone said something in a way that was, you know, racially motivated, whatever else. And it's like, ah, so social media works. Like in terms of yes, raising awareness and boosting it, but how the question for me always comes to how can we translate it, and and coming back to I guess uh, I think it was Alana, I think it was your point is people are sharing resources, people are sharing more about the subject rather than just their outrage, and that is 
that buys me. However, like I went to uni for four years. I know you can. I know you can pretend. You can pretend <laughs> to learn something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can pre- you can you can do what is deemed necessary to maybe stay afloat. You know what I mean? And so I'm always skeptical and like very selfishly, like I've invested so much time and energy in trying to understand this, and I still feel like I'm at the tip of the iceberg. So if someone's gonna pick up a book in a week, like if I've got my lived experience combined with the reading and and everything I'm engaging with combined with the conversations we have, and yet I still feel incredible like incredibly overwhelmed by the the feat that is you know changing the system um yeah forgive me if i if it takes me more than a couple of weeks of social media activism to to kind of change that point of view do you know so yeah bloco bloco <laughs> <laughs> mate preach i was hanging on to every single last word there man oh mate it's, every now and then i come out with something good in it so it's all right man people could Spl- pretend to blacked learn, out man. then didn't he in it i just I, you know when you i was in the flow fam flu game you know <laughs> angelo follow that man i mean what do you want me to say um <laughs> <laughs> This is what the people came for. Yes. (laughs) Right. Okay. I'm not going to talk about. So, with regards to white friends, (laughs) we're going to wheel it already. With regards to white friends, to be honest, mine have been good because two years ago I kind of cut out people that were kind of draining me. So, um, I'd had too many incidents where the 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 straw that broke the camel's back was. just some kids calling me the n-word as i'm walking down the street and i'm with three or four friends who said nothing and i'm like well you have to go uh because that's 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 it like i was already kind of uh and you know and and to be clear i think they're all good people i don't think there's any of them that are bad people um they're all genuinely good men but i'm like I, i need you to be genuinely good men not around me um with regards to the blackout I, I kind of, I didn't black out because I didn't get it. I'm like, hold on a second. We've gone from sharing resources, um, kind of people getting educated to having a day of nothing on their stream. And by, you know, linking it to the Black Lives Matter hashtag, you're now kind of cluttering up the feed where people were needing information because, you know, the police were engaging in some pretty brutal tactics and social media was a good way for people to kind of understand, hey, you don't stay away from here because they're bottlenecking. Kind of make sure you're doing this. Make sure you're doing that. Um, Who? How did that blackout idea start? Like, what was the source of that? I'm not, uh, not sure, but I think we've all had very different interpretations of this because my understanding was it was a black picture you upload, and then to your story and stuff. That's where you put the resources, share resources. so yeah. people can still do the reading and the learning and take it away. And the the black image that you upload. It's just so there's no shit on your feed for that feed one. For that See, one and I thought that it was just white people black out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I saw something that was like, if you're white, just black out your shit and let black voices be heard. Like, unless you're pointing like directing that. people to like, unless you're directing people to like the black voices in your group. Sorry, I just wanted to know because I'm like, who? No, cool. <laughs> um... To answer that question specifically, I haven't read it yet, but uh, Moya Lothian McLean has actually written specifically about that article, and if you follow her, you can find that article um, online. Um, I'm going to tilt the conversation, because I know that you guys are expecting me to kind of just start dropping bars. 
when it comes to my white friends, I ain't got nothing to say because like they've been vetted, they're good, they kind of show up, they know when to they know when to speak up, they know when to be silent, and I I respect and appreciate that. But if we're gonna talk about institutions and their virtual signaling, um, to quote uh, Biggie Smalls, I got a story to tell. So. Um, uh, that's, that's all we've got time for. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Dan, you talked about it earlier, the uh, This You kind of meme that kind of came around and was just laying fire onto institutions. And I was on uh, Twitter when all of these universities started popping up saying, we condemn unequivocally, we're going to do more. The University of Sheffield. Let's have a chat. And yeah, we're going to... And let's, let's use names. Because too often people go, do you know what? You know, I'm not going to say who it is because one day I might have clout. No, I don't have clout and I may never have clout. But some people need to be to be put on blast. So, I did my MA at the University of Sheffield in English Literature. I'm having a look around on like the uh, orientation day. And I'm like, there are no black people here. I am the only black person, and there's 150 people on the course. Fine. Um, I do a module which was problematic from the beginning. Uh, And it culminated in a week where they showed a theatre piece that was considered groundbreaking. Uh, And it was groundbreaking because it had blackface. Um, And everybody in the group, like my group again, soldiers were like, what the fuck is this shit? It then gets escalated. I have a meeting with the MA supervisor. His name's Tom. And I'm talking to Tom, and Tom is talking to me like I've done something wrong. He is being very, very kind of rude to me. So I'm like, nah, this needs to be escalated because he's not answering my questions. So that I then have a meeting with, with Tom and the head of department. And I've got, I've got, I've got a union rep because I'm like, nah, like I'm the wrong one to be to be playing with. Um, so I'm asking them about their timeline. So basically, what's happened is racist module. The guy that runs the module, we never see him again. He leaves. My essay is the only one among 150 that isn't marked on uh, that isn't handed back. Um, even though somebody else wrote the same essay that I did and handed it in later and then got it back on time. So I'm like, nah, this can't run. In this next meeting, I'm asking them about their timeline because I, I want to know why my essays come back late. And the essay that I wrote was about racism in higher educational institutions. So, you know, it's probably... It's, it's, and as I said to the man, I said, it's not a good look that you've got one black student who has written about racism in higher educational institutions and he's the only person on the course that didn't get his essay back on time. This man, Tom, in the meeting, shouts at me. And I'm like, no, nah, this this guy must have lost every part of his mind. So this does not get resolved for seven months. I had to write an email to them where I laid it out and said, you have one student and you're talking about the black attainment gap and you've got a student here who all he wants to know is an answer to the question. I said, I was happy when I started this course. I said, I'm miserable now. I said, I could have got a first, I might fail. And if I do fail, I'm just gonna be another statistic, a black student that underachieves. And I said, my experience helps me understand it. Now, what are you gonna do about it? And it was only at that point where they went, okay, we might have made a mistake. But the point is, I had to, as a mature student, at no point could I shout 
At no point could I be upset. I had to send email after email, sitting meeting after meeting for them to go, what do you know, we might have an issue. So when those MFers started putting out statements of solidarity, I was like, no, this can't be you. And, and the thing is, here's how you know that kind of maybe I'm kind of a generous and gentle person because I could have released all of the emails that kind of where they had to apologize for their fuckery. And I didn't. I'm just going to talk about it on the podcast. But, <laughs> <laughs> but where, where I kind of get so mad is with institutions that are kind of saying, you know, we, we recognize there's work to do. We um, have things to do. I wrote a report as I said earlier, about decolonizing the curriculum. And I said, I'm only doing it if I can talk about hiring practices. And there's not going to be any real substantive change. You can you can black out a square. You can say you realize there's a problem. But until you have black people in positions on your leadership team that aren't about diversity and inclusion, there is not going to be a difference made. Because as soon as you put a black person into a diversity and inclusion role, you minimize that role. Because you're saying that is all a black person is good for. You know, if I go on, I know, again, in October, I will be asked by several different organizations to come and speak to them about Black History Month. And I will, because I, I can talk about that. But my degree is in English <laughs> literature. Bring me on and talk about Shakespeare. Bring me on and talk about Victorian literature. Why, it, until we kind of change it from kind of black people can only talk about black issues, there's going to be no difference. And that's why, for me, it is virtue signaling. You know, mm. I bet Dan has been asked to do a lot of work that's probably above his pay grade this week because he's the black guy in the team. My brother works for a company where of the 113 members of staff, three of them are black. And don't get me started on my sisters that work in the NHS and, have, and can talk to me about their experiences of navigating that system whilst black. And every single one of these companies, I'm not, I don't know about yours, Dan, but every single one of my uh, brother and sister's companies have put out statements saying, you know, black lives matter, while they have terrorized black people within their own companies. So don't come to me with putting out a statement or having like <coughs> black people in your office craft a well-worded statement when they're being paid less and you're treating them like shit. If... Uh... If any of the management are listening and you want to increase my pay grade, <laughs> we'll talk about that on Monday. No, but but I think that's a, it's a really important like point you make there. It's it's just the hypocrisy of this week has been laid bare. Especially, I don't know what people are thinking. This is social media. This is a digital age. You cannot you cannot come on come online with a history of discrimination, with a history of prejudice, when people have got the receipts to hand. Fam, you think it's all going to be okay? Dan, Dan, can I just say, I know I put this into the group, but I'm still incredulous that the Washington Redskins have a black image on social media. Just think about that for one second. Look, I've, 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 I've been saying this all year, right? One of one of the progressions of like 2020 is that satire has been murdered day by day, again and again. Like, it is now impossible to be satirical in 2020. Because I'm just going to believe you. Right? What was it? Monday. I woke up on Monday and had, what was it? Ebola's back. I thought, fucking hell, here we go again. And then, what was it? Last night, I fell asleep. I fell asleep on the couch, woke up from my nap. BBC News, what they're telling me. Madeline McCann. I thought, fucking hell. Bro, oh, I've, got, I've got a story about that on one. That. And, like... It's just like, got, yeah, I mean, Dan, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to pass it to you in a minute, but like, 
just come on, like come on. It's 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 beyond ridiculous now. It's so, like, like yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's like when you've got a little baby at a um, photo shoot and you've got a little toy, a little cuddly toy. Like look over here, look over here. That's Madeline McCann's uh, abductor. That's that's what that's it. That situation is right now. Stop uh, worrying about those blacks. Look, we've uh, got Maddie's abductor. Fuck off. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. I'm, I'm gonna. This is this is a good, really good segue actually to our final topic. But the point being was a friend uh, messaged me. I was I used to be a journalist, and he, he was a colleague of mine. He was my old boss, uh, friend of the pod. He was the one who coined the phrase, if you can't be a good example, serve as a terrible warning. And <laughs> so basically, when you come up with the news, obviously you've got to have your front page finalised by whatever it is, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock. So you know what the stories are going to be. They know what the front page is going to be. And I get a, I get a, like a, a WhatsApp message and he's like, he's, he's laughing. Just la 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 ha. It's like you never guess what's gonna be what what story's about to come out. In fact, it must have been quite early, maybe eight o'clock. And he says, "They've only gone gone and got a new lead on the Madeline McCann case." <laughs> and I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, looks like these protests aren't even gonna make the news at ten top ten running order." And I was like, "You absolute!" Mm. And he's like, "Yeah, can you can you believe how cynical this is?" And did you see the front pages yeah. the day after those protests? Yeah. Or oh. ten major uh, frontline newspapers, and then it's it's Madeleine McCann, and they just they dust that off every single time, and it's convenient because they want to they they want people to look the other way. They know it's not going to fool the public, but it doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter. It's all optics. It's optics because you've got uh, a prime minister who has got an absolutely enormous mandate but is being more exposed by the day as someone who's out of his depth and doesn't know what he's doing and the latest example of that is this covid uh report on uh into why black people are dying in disproportionate amounts from a disease which hits everybody the same <laughs> on a cellular level um and this report has been delayed twice now I believe, and yeah. the latest update is that they can't release it now because they're afraid that tensions are too high and things, the atmosphere is a bit too febrile around the debate. So <laughs> we're going to have to wait a bit longer for black people to hear that they're more likely to die the longer this goes on, which, I mean, get your head around that. So the first thing for me, I think it was Gary Young that said it, the journalist, um, was like, oh yeah, we, we, we need to wait around for this report to know that we're, you know, we're dying, you know, you know unproportionately and, and whatever else and i think it comes from it comes from anything where did the americans learn how to do what they did britain it's so much more refined it's yeah so but britain ended it yeah listen lads <laughs> enough of that yeah um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like do you know what i mean like there's 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 something that baffles me whenever we get into this this talk about structural racism is that it was it was constructed designed and perfected in the, you know in america in the caribbean in africa you know this this trade but who were the architects behind it so for me when we talk about structure like was it the um equalities ministers come out and said black people are not dying of coronavirus more because of structural racism 
And now me as a man of science, and as Dan clearly pointed out, this thing doesn't discriminate. This thing will just kill you anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not going, oh, oh, wait, wait, read the genes of this one. Yep, yep. <laughs> Getting, oh, bit more pigment. Is that yep. a sickle cell? Is that a sickle cell? <laughs> let, me, let me attach myself to that. Who are they trying to convince? Like, <laughs> no, but honestly, like, okay, so first, I didn't know about this whole you know, suppression thing. And I asked Dom, I was like, what is this? What is the suppressed report? And then I was reading the articles and started to do this research. And I was like, why is it even a question why black people are dying in at a higher rate than white? Who's questioning this? Like, of course, I, of course, we always know that marginalized, disenfranchised communities are always hit harder by any sort of sick, even the flu, like, you're always hit harder. So I don't know. It's like, who who is their audience? Who are they trying to like, if it's black people, we're like, I think another thing as well, it's like, not only who are they trying to convince about the actual report, but like, I love how they said the time isn't right. You know, it'll be, it's on best it's you know it's for the best that like the black community and black people don't hear this right now you know it's been a tough couple of weeks for him we'll do him a favor and we won't tell him this like can i <laughs> <laughs> oh shit then like <laughs> I'll, i'm gonna drop in here with another quote from mlk from his letter in birmingham jail it's 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 a lengthy excerpt but i think it's it's apt here I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the, Greek, the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride towards freedom is not the white citizen's counsellor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action, who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by a mythical concept of time, who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a more convenient season. Shallow understanding from a people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Mm. Yeah. One byproduct of like the last week is like I'm incredibly angry. I'm still I'm always angry about these things, but it's I'm waking up in bad moods. I'm you know, I'm, I'm making bad decisions in terms of going on certain, you know, down certain rabbit holes or whatever else. And I think one thing that I think Angela, you pointed out, this um this idea of is Britain that bad? So many people we've had to have this conversation. And I've just I've just I go to one fact now. I go to one fact every time someone says is Britain that bad. And I'm like, did you know British taxpayers were paying slave owners reparations until twenty fifteen? And that's all I say. That's you want to talk about structural, you know, whatever. That's that's all I have to say because if you don't understand that that is by design, and people have been happily doing this, then I don't need to give you another example of you know is Britain racist? Like Black Britons who moved here rebuilt the the the, the UK after um, World War Two. You know the Wimmera generation pay their taxes at all. Not only are they at risk of you know. Um, being deported for absolutely no reason other than the colour of their skin and because of the hostile environment. But also the money they've been earning and the taxes they pay have also contributed to their ancestors' um, slave owners. It is wild. Like this week is, yeah. Two things. Two things. Let me jump in there real quick. So first and foremost, little brag, Martin Luther King got a um, an honorary degree from my alma mater. 
So I've graduated in the same hall that he has. So big up yeah. to Newcastle University. Um, and secondly, uh, listen, listen, you might want to go check on your university before you start saying that. One. <laughs> <laughs> you might. You listen. Come with receipts, mate. Come with receipts. I'll take it all back. I'll take it all back. <laughs> secondly, I uh, I got put onto a, a very funny and sickeningly funny exchange on the Colin Murray show on um, Five Live yesterday. And I can't for the life of me remember the name of the scientist that they had on there. But they were talking about this report. And the amount of times where it seemed as though Colin Murray <laughs> was wanting the scientist to say that there was something genetic behind why black people were dying <laughs> more from this disease. And I'm like, if, if that is somewhere where this conversation goes, then I am jumping over to Elon Musk's side and I'm going to that bastard moon. Because if they're about to say that we are more genetically predisposed to dying from this illness than the socioeconomic racial reasons behind us dying from this illness, then I'm out of here. I'm out yeah. of here, sorry. It's, that is a, it's a really good example of things being so bad, structural inequality being so bad, structural racism being so bad, that when faced with it, the only thing that makes sense is that it, like, it must be that genetically there's, there's, there's another answer to it. Like it's, Occam's razor cannot be the case. Here. They can't literally be dying because people don't care about them. That's why Jamaicans are going to spread it, isn't it? It's, 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 it's awesome. genetics. Jamaicans are spreading by trade. And this I remember what I was going to say. So it was. That'd be good. That'd be good. <laughs> oh, God. Now the pressure's on. I'll probably forget what I was going to say again. Um, but when Angela was saying, oh, shit. See, I Why the situation? Why you have more hope for Americans than you do for British people because this is something that I only just discovered when I moved over here is that the British media and the British, you know, politicians can say absolutely nothing in so many words and in it and make it sound so good and reassuring. <laughs> Well, absolute travesty, when they're talking about like absolute travesties, whereas Americans, you know, we're not so refined. <laughs> so our crazy is just all out there for people to see. Whereas like, yeah, especially after reading all of those articles about the suppression of this COVID report, I was just like, it's a lot of really flowery jargon and like reassuring jargon to cover up just nonsense and to make you feel like oh this totally makes sense when it's actually like the answer is right in front of your face um like we've been saying and i think that is actually like a huge difference between the states and the uk because now because now things are coming out in the states where they're like black people are dying more because they don't have access to health care they don't know aren't educated on how to take care of themselves they don't have access to proper nutrition like it's just we're out there and we're saying it and so it's something that can be addressed where it's like it's so much more insidious here in the uk mm. but that's i think that comes once again that comes back to my kind of point about like i say you know racism over here it's it's more refined it's more subtle it's more like you say insidious and um you know dom you always you always say it in it moments weeks like this are awesome because you get to get to have a look at some people and you go all right 
I have my suspicions. You see, but, yeah, yeah, you see, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like in the in the podcast in London, I said I had fifty pound for what was his name, Rory, in it. But there's a, there's a few people emerged that yeah, this week that happily, I think I always come back to this point when we when we're talking about kind of like British racism and that. British people, English people are so scared of being called a racist rather than kind of reconciling with their racism. It's another battle you have to fight. And I think it's, it's Angela Davis quote talking about the real um, kind of purpose of racism is one of distraction. It's, a, you know, you constantly have to um, validate your experience. You have to validate that this was true and this was something that happened. So the conversation never really progresses to, to one of real change. Um, so I just hope, I guess the kind of final caveat for me and on, on kind of systemic stuff is these conversations that we're starting right now, I, once again, it comes back to the point I made earlier about how are we going to ensure that these conversations continue and mature in a way that don't become co-opted by the system? Because you can't, you can't change the system from the inside. Like that's bollocks. I'm not having it. Um, you know, so yeah, just how how do we ensure that this activism, whether it's faux activism or real, is built upon something and, and builds towards something? Yeah, at the same time, right, the UK as a people, we're very face-saving. Very, very face-saving. And it's just within our nature. Now, people are going to have to start getting used to being embarrassed, getting used to being wrong, and getting used to being uncomfortable. And, and being direct. Used... Exactly, exactly, because that's the only way that we're going to change this shit. I was going to say, we are... this is going to run out of momentum. It just It's the nature of it. It's the nature of things. So what you've got to do is get as much information in as you can get as many as wide a spread of people thinking about it and talking about it and then at the end we said this so many times like it's going to start with your circle like we said this mm. it's it's funny how how much these sort of motifs repeat themselves on these podcasts on different topics mm. like the whole thing again with Dave Chappelle and um um what's called it allies imperfect allies imperfect allies like these these things just repeat themselves because it's going to run out of steam people are going to get bored the seasons are going to move on move on we're going to be allowed back out the house covid will disappear and that's what's going to happen so yeah. it's well it'll 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 change i saw that look angela i gave me the eyebrow raise <laughs> i think yeah it's it we've got to get so that education as widespread as possible and then just and then just talk to your peoples Talk to your peoples, talk to your friends. It's going to have to, it, any change is going to start on this grassroots level. We started this topic by talking about how this COVID support, support report is being suppressed. They're in power for five years. Stuff's going to keep getting suppressed. Mm. So, <laughs> this is, you know, just, just talk to your peoples when you get a chance to profit from Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep squeezing it squeeze out every last coin um, Boris there the first thing that I will kind of say is that the most amazing quote that I heard about this report because it has been released in some form is yeah with leads they, I think yeah is that there's um, it doesn't A give any recommendations which is what they said would they would do but B there um was this there's nothing that says about racism being one of the factors and the quote i heard and i think it was sam coates from sky i might be wrong 
and the line that he used was it did not su- that part of the report did not survive contact with matt hancock's office and i just thought that was the most orwellian <laughs> chilling shit i've ever I, uh... like in terms of not not it's not the most chilling shit i've ever heard but it's so repre- but in its mundanity it's so chilling it's like it did not survive contact with his office it's like that's some proper animal farm shit um, yeah. And then the second thing that I will say, which I found very interesting, is about kind of um, w- with the Black Boris stuff. Um, I kind of, I've, I've kind of had a steady gain of followers um, on Twitter, especially, but I have started losing them since I started talking about uh, more <laughs> racial stuff. And the because you're an entertainer, a, that's why, man. Stay in your lane. The irony of a character that literally has black in its name losing followers when it starts to talk about race has not been lost on me but yeah that that i just find i've and but then i think that feeds into the suppressed report which is that we don't in this country want race to be put front and center because then goodness me we might have to deal with it um so yeah i i uh, yeah i I, as this year wears on as well i mean it makes you long for the time when we just had Brexit to complain about. And the thing is, <laughs> six months time, six months time, you think things are bad now. You think like it, it's bad enough with with jobs being lost because of coronavirus. Six months time, when we when we do have Brexit, because there's going to be no transition arrange, arrangement, things are going to be bad. Like people don't really like. It's it's very difficult to hold this conversation about black people dying, about black issues now when it's in the middle of your mind's eye. Try and hold that conversation when everyone's hurting, when there's more jobs lost, when it's been six months and people think this isn't what we voted for. I think it's it could get pretty nasty, to be honest. And that's I that's yeah. that is coming down the pipeline. It is. Did you see Boris? Did you see Boris Johnson say, invite the foreigners back who'd left for COVID, and getting checked by Giva Hofstad? He was like, "I thought you wanted us to leave." And it's like, boy, when you're getting checked by Giva Hofstad, like <laughs> it's time to it's time to change it up. But yeah, man, wild times. Okay, guys, I think we've we've, we've covered everything there. We didn't have a songs you'd mm, or a rant thing because. We've just done two solid hours there. I think that's been really good. Can I just have one closing remark, please? Yeah. Yeah, this is this is a message to my white friends, and a few of you have touched on it. Um, there's new rules now. There's new rules. When I was away in Greece last year, got a shout-out to my boy Warren, because this is exactly what I want to see from the rest of my friends from now onwards. We were getting into a club, and one of our friends, Richie, who's got a bit of an outlandish dress sense... He got told, no, you can't come in. And Warren... Did he have a shirt on? He had a shirt on this time, but it looked like he was wearing trackies. He was wearing some... Man's going out in, he's going out in London with a, with a blazer and no shirt. <laughs> Richie, Richie's out there. And when this bouncer stopped Richie in the queue, Warren pulled up. He's a soldier. And he told them about themselves. And I want to see more and more of that now. Mm. Like Rihanna said, if you're with me, pull up. I don't want to mm. be the one that's having to fight all these fights anymore. It's your time to stand up and be counted as well. So if you're with me, pull up and show me that you're a soldier. Don't just say things, act on it. And that's special mention 
and special mention to Sonny on that one. Man was always active when it came to uh, to backing it. He, he probably took more licks for being black than I did when I was at school. <laughs> <laughs> and my man is A4 white. Man like... Yeah. <laughs> we're back, we're back, we're back. We hope you enjoyed that. Okay, another welcome again to Dom's friends that have come back. you enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Elana. Uh, it's been good to have you back. And get yourself on next time. Thank you, Angelo. Always good to hear from you. Get ready to get in those uh, those emails coming from Sheffield Uni. <laughs> <laughs> I have receipts. I'm fine. But he's active. He's he's local. Yeah, that Sheffield Uni man's local. Nate, keep your head up, bro. That's it. Dom, good as ever. And thank you for listening, guys. We'll be back soon. We out. Bless up. <laughs>